on your thing or you deserve a cosign. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Once again, I want to welcome you to the newest episode of the Coastline Podcast. I have my brother, Douglas Watley of the Watleys here, and we know he is always here. Ain't got nowhere else to be. He has... <laughs> A troubled life So just a little personal, you know, background on our guest today Um, I attended Spelman College um, And my guest attended Morehouse And if you don't know Morehouse Spelman and Morehouse are unofficial sister and brother schools, right? And what they do is they actually pair you with someone from Morehouse As a brother of yours, an official Morehouse brother You call them all your, your Morehouse brothers, but they actually give you one and it is so crazy that this guy is my official Morehouse brother, the one I got. You would think I'd be smiling right now. but <laughs> Why are you not smiling, Dougie? I didn't get no Clark Atlanta sister. I don't uh, know what to tell you. Yeah, man, they cheated me. So, you know, what they tell you is to kind of like look out for each other through college or whatever. And, you know, to be honest, he and I did not have like a super close relationship while we were in school. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> we didn't really talk to each other. We would see each other places. Hey, how you doing? That's it. I didn't know I was supposed to <laughs> have your real brother. <laughs> The great part about this story is that once we graduated, you know, I don't even know how we reconnected. I think maybe it was just through my fitness, fitness journey. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe. I don't know if it was before that or what. Because we did. We were in a band together with uh, Douglas. Yeah, I was going to say, I met you. I Wattles. met you through. Oh, my God. Uh, I totally <laughs> forgot. Forgot about that. Yeah. Is he how I know you? Yeah, he's how I know you. You are truly how. You know what? I have been trying to figure this out. You are the link. Yeah. You are the link. Yeah. Okay, so let's stop boring the people. Basically, right. Dougie <laughs> is the reason I know 50% of the people I know in Atlanta. The Amen. other person is Victor Jackson. I have been trying to figure out how I, I met, met Victor Jackson Dougie. through John. John is the link. For real, he for real. is yeah. JC the is the, the link. Yeah, I hate it too. Okay, so shout out to my official Morehouse brother, who um, is extremely talented, a musician, um, a super intelligent man, God bless you, God bless you. an entrepreneur. <laughs> Um, and Mr. Fitness himself, in my opinion. Talk about it, yeah. Um, our relationship kind of blossomed when I hired him to be my trainer. Mm-hmm. And all those pictures, y'all were like, girl, you killing a game. <laughs> my body was really <laughs> sitting. Okay? I was on my way to Serena Williams' status. You were. It was because of this guy right here. Gave up so, on yourself. ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> <laughs> do not play a game because she is what coming for the world. Who is? Me. Oh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Drum my Morehouse brother, bass player, entrepreneur, Mr. Fitness, my favorite trainer in the world, JC. What's up, what's up, what's up Thank you That was the longest intro of life You know what, it could have been longer (laughs) Investor, you know, I got got stuff You got stuff I'm just honored for you to even consider me And consider my little experience in life To be something worth to be podcasted on Um, (laughs) (laughs) Keep on podcasting, baby (laughs) Yeah, so uh, yeah, definitely I'm really excited about this Yeah, we have to get into your journey I know we want to talk about you as Mr. Fitness, but we cannot go into that without touching first on you as a musician. Be 
because, and I know, and the reason why. (laughs) You got to. You got to. We have to make the correlation. Shantae Ken's episode, um, one of the things that she talked about during that episode was Jaspex. We had a whole moment for Jaspex and how much we, you know, love it and we're praying to the Lord that maybe one day there will be a reunion of some sort. And we love all you guys. And a lot of people know Shantae Ken from the People Make the World Go Round video. Wow. Okay, so there's been like this underlying connection between everybody we've had on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it kind of reinforces the whole idea of the cosign. And people are able to see how everybody's connected. Right. You know, and so for you, Shantae kind of hinted towards Jaspex, which is a band that you used to be a part of. And you were a bass player. You know, when did JC first pick up the bass? Can you touch on jazz specs if you want to a little bit? But- Man, my musical uh, history is pretty interesting to me, at least. I mean, I grew up in a church. I'm from Dallas, Texas. Mm-hmm. Texas is a very Pentecostal state or Church of God and Christ Holiness. You know, when I was growing up, it was church every day. So naturally, I was enthralled in an environment where I was seeing music and then being at Pentecostal, a lot of shouting, a lot of music. And my cousins play, my dad plays drums. My grandfather, was, he was a pastor superintendent. Okay. You know, so um, when I got to the age of being able to recognize that stuff, I mean, I naturally just gravitated towards it. My mom's dad, he was a guitar player. He studied on the Muddy Waters. Oh, wow. I mean, everybody in my family has some type of musical talent. Literally just like everybody. Just seeing that growing up, my cousins were like my big brothers. So everything they did, I wanted to do. So my cousin played the bass and, you know, I went from drums, like, you know, the... the Everybody starts on the, the drums. You know, the, you, know, you know, the normal church graduation, <laughs> drums, drums, and then you either venture off from drums to keys or, you know, uh, keys or organ, guitar, whatever. And I, I really wanted to play lead guitar, but my dad's best friend, he was a bass player and he gave me a bass, he gave me a five-string bass. I think I was in seventh grade or something like that. I tried to learn how to play it. It was like trash. I was like, this is trash. <laughs> it sounds dumb. I tried to take lessons from my cousin. And this kind of explains the story when people see this, I play upside down. It wasn't until I was like 27 years old that I realized I was playing upside down. Because when my cousin was trying to teach me, we were sitting down for the first lesson. And uh, his name is Brant. I, I love you, cousin. And um, <laughs> I'm about to tell the people how you got me this like, <laughs> on the face, but I love you. <laughs> We sat down, and he said, you left-handed right. I said, yeah. And then he literally flips the bass over the other side. Really? Just that simple? <laughs> Just that simple. Like, this is called, can I say niggas? Niggas? Yeah. Niggas yeah, you, can always, you can always throw a nigga right. Oh, I was like, this is niggas teaching niggas. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> niggas teaching niggas. I was like, yeah, no, but seriously, like, it was all, all, all love, you know, um, he literally just flipped it over. I didn't realize for 20 years that there was a such thing as a left-handed bass. I thought if you were Black right-handed. people you... will <laughs> Tell me, you are truly Be... the essence of what oh. a pig's feet is. <laughs> for, for good time playing. Like, you make the best out of what you got. Right, oh. literally. So part of it, that's what made it so difficult for me to learn how to play. And, not, you know, looking in retrospect, intuitively, when I was learning how to play, hearing a note, like going up or down, like my brain and my hand was doing two opposite mm-hmm. things. And then it, over time, I was able to rewire my brain to play upside down. People would say, oh, my God, go, what? You're playing upside down. I'm thinking, it's no big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like everybody does. Man, that's Thursday. Everybody who's left-handed plays like this. I mean, it, it was like I was in like mid twenties before I realized there was a left-handed, a left-handed guitar. Wow. And um, just you still the, don't play a left-handed. Guitar, I can. Right? I actually can't play both ways because when I got an orchestra in high school, they refused to let me flip the, the string bass really? around. Mm-hmm. 
And cause it, you know, it throws off the orchestra flow. I don't know, something just clicked. My mom and my mom bought me a, uh, she went, I never forget, she she bought me like an amp from the pawn shop. I never forget it. And I still, I never, never, ever, wow. I will keep that thing working. Let me ask you a question. What's up? Can I borrow that amp? <laughs> I wouldn't do it. You, you may have borrowed before. Uh, I, uh, I didn't. It's still working. I did not borrow it. Nah. <laughs> and uh, I got to also give credit to my best friend, Justin Lyons, mm-hmm. uh, Guitar Slayer 24. Yeah, if you'll follow on Instagram, me and my best friend, uh, he's like one of the reasons why I am. Like, I owe all my any good lick or anything or any wow or excitement from playing the bass or any string instrument, I owe it to him because. Uh, H, he was like already a virtuoso. God, you know, allows he us to, he, he allows us to figure things out. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we have a genius in us that's, you know, you know, beyond our comprehension. And, uh, but just, I just want to definitely shout out my boy, Justin, and my cousin, LeBrant, for, you know, really, uh, really hooking me up. It seems that you, um, I, mean, I just know it's because I've been around you a lot, but it seems like you're pretty innovative by nature. Like you are a find a way or make one type of guy. Yeah. He is um, a Morehouse man. Well, actually, that's very Clark Atlanta. Right. But, but, uh, that's my point. Very Sal's, very Sal's, man. That's my point now. Uh, we talked so much about Jaspex with Shantae. How did you end up linking with those guys? Cool story. So, so I go into the music hall where like the jazz room is because I'm like, look, where are the musicians at? Because I know somebody know a church gig. So I go <laughs> inside the room. These guys and then this guy playing piano. T Brown, Terrence Brown. You know, uh, big time, you know, just amazing maestro, amazing. just yeah. piano Truly. player or mm-hmm. composer, producer, all Truly. of that. I said, yo, man, where the church gig at? Uh, long story short, Terrence, he put me on to some people. I got me a church gig at Greater Piney Grove, and I ended up bringing him on over there. Okay. And um, then Homecoming was coming up, mm-hmm. and they needed a bass player uh, to play baseball because Terrence, was, he was tired of playing hand bass. And, like, you know, after he heard me, he was like, yo, he basically had to kind of coerce the other jazz specs to let me in, you know. That's a little backstory. Mm-hmm. And like, them niggas like that. Oh, not just, oh, <laughs> not just if we see you on the street, jazz specs, we're fighting. No. What? But that's how that's how I got involved in jazz specs. It was more like a, almost like an audition that I wasn't really trying to audition for. Mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily want to be a part of a band because I wanted to be like, you know, my one of my goals was to come to Atlanta and get on with Usher. I wanted to be a, like a, a bass player for like a famous artist. And they, okay. me and my best friend, that's what we used to talk about. So I thought that, that would have been the pinnacle for me, like mm-hmm. to get a gig as a as a bass player for a big time artist, something like that. And uh, just so it turned out, I started playing with jazz specs and apparently my chops were good enough and they wanted me to bring me on full, you know, bring me on as a part of the band. I, I didn't really want to be a part of the band because they did like jazz. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, I wasn't really familiar with that like, straight ahead jazz. I was very, I grew up listening to smooth jazz. My dad listened to nothing but smooth jazz. I love smooth jazz. Just stylistically and all that stuff, um, you know, I just wasn't really familiar with it. I didn't understand it. Mm-hmm. You know, long story short, we, uh, we start, I started playing with these guys. We started doing gigs and stuff. At the same time, I'm doing gigs with Doug. I'm doing gigs with Victor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm playing with everybody in the city. I'm enjoying just being like one of these little, you know, that little young, hot musician, bass player that, you know, that's rocking it with all these, with all the local talent and, you know, whatever. And um, eventually, um, you know, they asked for a bigger commitment. Finally, eventually, you know, committed fully to jazz specs. Things just really blossomed. Not to say because of me or whatever, but it just got focused on that. And uh, that's how that's how we met. Like, literally just. Man, and y'all stomped through in such a major way. Like, I still listen to jazz specs all of the time. I still feel so proud, like, whenever it comes up. I'm like, that's my Morehouse brother! <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just some incredible music. So, you know, we're not going to talk about them the whole interview, but it is a, an important part of your story um, yeah. because a lot of people know you 
Yeah. From Jasper. A lot of people don't know and that I do anything music. A lot of people know music. nothing about <laughs> the fact that this fool can play <laughs> his behind off. So I'm gonna let that. I'm gonna let that go. So um, the reason I wanted you here though is because, like I said earlier, I hired you as my personal trainer. Mm-hmm. And what I found out from the very first conversation that we had is not only are you like in shape times ten, and you know you're really serious about your own personal health. But you are truly passionate about health and fitness. Where did that grow from? So, uh, great question. Um, you know, the the way I got into fitness was like typical. It goes back to when I was thirteen. We we took a trip to Miami, and my cousins, my aunt had moved to Miami. My big cousins, like on my mom's side, and you know, as a young cousin, your bigger cousins, they're all like cool as hell, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so we go to Miami. This is my first time going to a place like this. And, like, my aunt lives in Fort Lauderdale. We go down to South Beach. And, like, I'm looking at, like, my cousins, like, they're ripped in shape. And I'm looking at everybody in Miami, like. And, like, my cousins were, like, they look amazing. All they wore was T-shirts. And I said, you know, when I get to college, I'm going to work out <laughs> so I can just wear T-shirts and look good like these guys. There's another story to this. In high school, I was asking this girl, like, yo, because, like, you know, I've always been considered cute by girls, whatever. And I never forget in, in high school, um, they would be, like, fine and cute. And I asked, I said, you know, so what makes a guy fine? And what's, what's the difference between, because like, you know, I say I'm cute and like, I want to be fine. So she said the body. And that just resonated with me. Mm. And so like, it, it's like the distinguishing point. And like, and it's just me being young and vain. So I said, when I get to college, I knew I was cute. I knew I could control a lot of other stuff. Like I'll be by myself. I'm going to work out, get in shape. I'm just going to wear t-shirts. I'm going to go from cute <laughs> to fine, right? And I, I want to be that dude. So I saw my cousins as these cool guys at this time in their mid-20s. With these amazing bodies, just cool as hell, you know. And I was like, "Yo, I want to be like that." Oh, had the, he had a cool car and all that type of stuff, and I just wanted to be like that. And um, so when I got to college, literally, that uh, I lost thirty pounds my first semester. From November to April, I lost like thirty pounds. Like I went home for spring break. My mom was like, oh, "What happened to my Need legs?" To eat. <laughs> yeah. So I got in the gym, um, you know, just doing like just piecing information here and there, and just like taking young, youthful energy. I was working out seven days a week, four hours a day. Oh, I mean, I got ripped. A lot of people, they assume I always look like this. I look no, like... No, he has not always looked like no, that. I can tell you guys. No, no. Like, when I was I was, I was taller, you know, and I was soft. Like, in high school, I was a soft. I had, like, a 18% body fat. I didn't have no abs, no cuts. Back then, we wore bigger clothes. So you Probably could... had 18% body fat. <laughs> Boy, God, it's hot. No offense. <laughs> That's really hot. Continue, right. Continue, right? Yeah, but anyways, I never had cuts or anything like that, you know... Um, I was hanging around my granddaddy And my granddaddy was in church So I was in church So you know what you do After a late night at church You're going to eat And what you're going to eat That Chicken fried chicken (laughs) And rolls You're right So uh, (laughs) I had never seen abs I was ripped Had chest Had abs And all that stuff And I was like wow Man it was just amazing And also I felt I felt amazing Like I just felt great I just felt really really good Had a lot of energy And I just kept it up The summer uh, Cause you have to do that One mandatory year on campus mm-hmm. I needed a gym So I was moving out I went to get a two week pass From Bally Total Fitness They used to be uh, Down the street They closed it now And the the manager He's like a, another second father His name is Marcus K He said hey man He just looked at me He said You ever thought about Working in fitness? I was like Sure why not? Wow. And and I asked him like later on like when we had a lot of success together I said Kay like you know what was it like why did you ask me that he said he just it's just something about you wow. and literally that's like the easiest way to get a job back. ever you never look back every I, like literally that's I never look back and 
I started working at Bally's. The whole experience of sharing something that you benefited so much from with people like my title was a fitness coach, which was basically like I was a membership salesperson. So my job would be bring you into the gym, you know, call you on the phone, get you in, give you a tour of the gym, you know, show you some stuff and then try to get you signed up on a three year membership contractual that will go on your fucking credit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's why Ballas went out of business. That's why all the gym memberships now are month to month because they don't want the problems no more. <laughs> but anyways, I would spend like four hours with people to sign them up on a membership. Yeah. I just felt like it's obtainable. Um, it was going to just really give them salvation. Like, you know, you grow up in church, you hear about this almost like vague component of salvation, but I felt like fitness was a tangible way of getting some type of salvation. I was seeing people um, reversing health, like, yeah. oh, so this is not a deficit. You know, beyond like the prayer and things of that nature, I was seeing a tangible way of reversing issues with the body. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted I just wanted to give that to everybody. Like, I mean, to the point where they might manage me, like, look, you take it too much time on tours, yeah. you got to try to give them down to two hours. I know that. <laughs> I know that life. I mean, I'm a salesperson and I'm a talker. So I, right. I have that conversation countless yeah. times. You got to, you know. Right. Yeah. You know, because you only there's so many hours. I, I just really, uh, I really just fell in love with seeing the transformation, the process. I know from where I, where I came from, we didn't, we don't know anything about this world. Right. 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 My granddad and my grandma, like people that are sick, like people that went like, oh, so they don't have to have diabetes. Right. They, they don't have to have, oh, it's just, okay, okay. So it's just like, I'm learning all this stuff and I'm seeing that you can literally reverse your health with like something that's so amazing and you can look better, you're going to feel better, mm-hmm. all this type of stuff. And it's not even that expensive. That's how I got started in it. And, um, and what else? <laughs> no, but I, that's, that's, yeah, the, yeah, that's, yeah. The, and that's the story I was looking for because as, as much as I know about your career so far in fitness, I know you started at a gym working, I guess, entry level job. Yeah, there. literally entry level. Like part time. I was I was killing it. Like they were trying to move me to management. On a part-time schedule, I was because I was Killing doing more thing. sales than everybody yeah. on part-time. Wow. And I, at the time, I didn't like. For me, I knew I didn't want to be a manager because I like I like to stay to myself. Uh, I'm real like let me just do my own thing. And um, it took them a while to convince what I, when they showed me how much money I can make. I was like, mm-hmm. all right, mm-hmm. and, say no more. And I was like, you know what? And then I you know I took a, a, a management job. Like this is like, I was like young. I'm like twenty, like nineteen, twenty something. So like I was making like crazy money, like fifty grand. Like I ain't, I've, I've never made less than fifty grand a year since I was like nineteen, twenty. I was out there hustling, right? Uh, not hustling, but I was working. But I was working in my passion. I would be there all day because you loved right. it. I loved it. Ballads had a culture. It's not like this at most gyms now. That's one thing I do hate, and hopefully one day I can recreate that. No, I will one day. Like when you came to Ballads, man, we was hugging you. Like you come through the door like, yo, what's up, Kanish? You hugging you, you know. The staff knew you. It was just like we had so much the staff, we fooled with each other. It's like, you know, we hung out. Them days were just amazing. Can I can I tell you something? What's up? I also worked at Bally's. I swear to God. Dougie. I, I swear to God. <laughs> I worked at the one in Sandy Springs. Oh, really? I swear to God. Did you do his the same job he, he's describing? Heck no. I what job about, did you do? Man, I was over there working in a concession. <laughs> <laughs> I was over there trying to holler. What are you talking about? To you was at the front desk? Yeah. I was, I, no, I was working in like the little store. <laughs> oh, okay. But but the culture there is so true. Everybody was our best friend. We spent pretty much all day and all night together. Right. You we, basically, yeah. Everybody yeah. loved everybody. Yeah. 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 You're right, you're right, yeah. You don't see a lot of that in gyms. No, 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 that's all. They have it even, they have it set up differently. Another thing at Ballast, it makes you like, you know, like old school kind of jobs where you have to kind of cross train everything. Uh-huh. So I learned how 
to do sales management. I learned how to do front desk, mm. and I cleaned up. Yeah, yeah. You know, you did it all. You know, everything. Yeah, you did open and close. Yeah, and, yeah you know, yeah. it was like you know, but uh, it was all good stuff. You know, loved it. So this passion that you have, it basically started with you seeing how fitness affected your own body and your own life, mm-hmm. and it lit something in you that said, "Oh my gosh, like I can show this to other people." And it's a, it's, they it's, too it's can universally see the benefits I, I, of it, and I think that that's huge because you're right. We talk a lot about we're all church kids, and we do hear a lot about the power of prayer and miracles and things of that nature when it comes around to sickness. But the reality is, we can't get diagnosis of diabetes from the doctor and then eat fried chicken every <laughs> single day and not, you know what I mean? Like it just. There is, as E. Dewey Smith always says, my pastor bro, there is divine sovereignty and there's human responsibility. Like, mm-hmm. we are responsible for our lives, you know, and our, our temples. Right. So, you decide at what point that you're going to go off on your own to start your own company. Like, how did that happen? Just got tired of the bureaucratic bullcrap. I never need the job I'm at. I try to set myself up financially to where no matter what I'm doing, I don't need to do that. Mm-hmm. Like I want to do it so that way I operate from a position of autonomy and freedom so that way nobody can feel they have a hold on, you know, I just don't like that. I've been there before. I don't like it. This time I had transitioned to L.A. Fitness, um, you know, and um, the situation was different. Um I mean, the sales pressure was way higher. Um, and I'm, I'm going to go into this podcast. So. Um, Ballas had a 30-day sales cycle, okay? Um, and most, like, for those listeners out there, like, you know, with any sales job, you got normally 30-day cycle, six-month or quarterly or annual cycle that you that you get paid your commissions on based on how many sales you have. LA Fitness has a, they have a goddamn two-week sales cycle. What? So every other week is closeout. And for those, who, a closeout is basically the end of the cycle where you can get all your commission. Right. So you you basically on stress mode every other <laughs> Yeah. Every week, like, all my LA fitness people out there listen, y'all know I pray for y'all. Keep y'all up proud. But um, you know, just highly aggressive, and that was cool. I'm, I mean, like for a salesperson, a person who's a go getter, it's not. It's not about that. It's just that I didn't feel like I was being compensated, you know, accordingly. And it had nothing to do with them because you get to a point on any job where you have to make a decision. Yeah. It's not it's not designed for a business owner to pay you what you're worth. He right. pays you what the market well, rate is exactly. for your position. Exactly. You know, so um, you can't get mad at that. Right. If you want more, you go out and create more. He created a job for you. You can go create a job for yourself. Exactly. Shut your mouth. Exactly. But <laughs> no, that's that's work. That's yeah. work. All right. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it was just a, um, you know, I had moved up real fast with this company, moved up to management position like six months. And I, I was developing and training people like a VP, but they wanted, they didn't they didn't want to make me one. And I I know part of it, I was so young, but I feel like leadership shouldn't you shouldn't cap leadership based on age, yeah. uh, productivity, yeah. and uh, you know another thing I was going through a transition mentally from my health and wellness. I was becoming more aware to the the real gap, which is nutrition. And that company didn't really focus at all on nutrition. So I was spending more time with people, too much time relative to how much they want to spend with somebody to sign them up. But there was a conflict that I had started discovering. Like we had this presentation that basically said you build muscle to burn fat. And once I discovered that really, that's really not the biggest catalyst. The biggest catalyst was nutrition. At this time, I'm learning about um, high fructose corn syrup. I'm learning about... um, uh, I'm learning about 
a lot of other hormonal stuff. At this point, my my uh, acumen in terms of understanding the body from a, uh, a biological standpoint. I mean, every day I worked in the fitness industry, just about I would do something really unique. And it it gave me like, so people, man, you know so much. What happened was every night, so people would sit down in front of me. I'm trying to sign them up. And we go through this whole profile. What's going on? What kind of diseases? Blah, blah, blah. With medicine, all that stuff. So they're telling me all this stuff and I would write it down. Anything I wasn't familiar, I wrote it down. And that night I would go home and I would leave. You ask my ex-girlfriends. I would pull that stuff out of my pocket, put them to sleep. And then I would literally go on my computer and literally like be researching everything I wrote down. And John, I, John, yeah, how did you put them to sleep every night? We are not man, going you know how the only way. The only way a trainer we can, you know, are, we're not doing that's the this. second workout. No, but uh, okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, literally, I would go get on my computer and go to Wikipedia, which was the bomb diggity back then. And uh, I would literally go research all these medicines. You know how Wikipedia so it gives you the, the keywords, so anything you're not familiar with, it'll highlight, highlight it. it right. So I would I literally spend like hours every night, and I did this for years. And I also got introduced to NIH. So I'm reading all this medical jargon, and, and then when I'm getting the definition, I'm like indirectly teaching myself mm-hmm. all this medical jargon and technical terminology to the point where I would have conversations with doctors, and they'd be like, we're talking straight medical terms. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so we're like we're talking like you know, and I actually had a one of the top in vitro surgeons in Atlanta, Doctor Mark Perlow. Uh, I worked with him, and he was so uh, enthralled with the results I helped him get. He did a free seminar on um, high fructose corn syrup and how it affects our bodies. Wow! And nobody, barely anybody, showed up. Unfortunately, <laughs> really? that, that was like one of the most depressing days of my life. I almost quit the industry for that. Because like I, you know, I, I, when you when you're so passionate about yeah. something, you end up. I have to learn to not take it personal. Yeah, yeah. I was taking yeah. it. Per, I was taking. Yeah. I was thinking like, I'm doing all this stuff for you guys. You know, mm-hmm. you know the members and blah blah blah. I got this world class doctor coming doing this mm-hmm. seminar, help you guys understand why you're getting fatter now faster than ever before. Because it was some groundbreaking research, and uh, and it's still relevant today. Like people, like one of the reasons people are getting so f- overweight so quickly. It's because the sugar or the high fructose corn syrup, it affects your body totally different than like other sugars. Mm. It totally just affects your hormone levels and throws your body out of whack, but also makes you stimulate fat really, really fast. Mm. And it also jacks up your your um, your cholesterol, which also jacks up your blood pressure. So it's like this whole metabolic effect from one like one ingredient that's been thrown in every food. Yeah. Like and every food, like what? Like ketchup. every food. Ketchup. I love ketchup. All you gotta jelly. do is check I love jelly. any yeah. check it's, any label. It is it's there. It's in everything. It is it's there. In everything. I tried to have some jelly the other day that was like super sweet. No, without the super sweet, it was horrible. It destroyed my peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> I can't live without it. It's hard. What what, what do you do? Uh, now do you have you have people actually making real jelly out of mm-hmm. real grapes and stuff, or just or jams. That's really what it is. It's jam. Mm-hmm. Jelly is bullcrap. Jelly don't. Sh- I mean, jam don't shake like. <laughs> you, I ruined it. I ruined them all. You oh know what? <laughs> you don't want to shake anyways. You know? <laughs> but um, yeah, that, and that, and like you know, just working in that whole environment, um, you know, uh, just dealing with all the politics and like I, I'm one of those people. You gotta pay me, you know, you gotta treat me right. Yeah. They got I gotta feel mutual. Like I'm just big on mutual relationships all across the board. I feel like, you know, if it's not mutual, I can't be a part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, and like, you know, and it, once you vocalize that, I give you an opportunity to do, you know, to meet me where I want, you know. Mm-hmm. If not, we just gotta part ways. And that's what it was, is I feel like 
uh, I couldn't get any higher than where I, than where I was uh, unless I stayed there maybe 20 years. And I was like, I was already putting in the work and I was, they would treat me, they would treat me like a VP. I'm, I'm, I'm producing better than the VPs. I'm training people and uh, they wouldn't pay me. And at this point I had real, like now my sales was being sustained, not by a system they taught me, but a system that I developed myself in house. Felt like, you know, um, you know, Whatever, whatever those new skill sets that there would have been, you know, I don't, you know, I would have learned them or whatever. But, um, mm-hmm. but just ultimately, it was like they with the changing pay structures and stuff like that from how corporate. And I understand, like looking retrospectively, I mean, like I mean, just I mean, a company's just trying to pay bills like anybody else. Mm-hmm. I just didn't like that. I didn't like being on the. I I, I don't like to not know when my money's gonna switch like that. Mm-hmm. And um, basically, um, I, and, I, and they changed the pay, pay structure one more time. And I was like, you know, I looked at like, because basically like 90% of our income was coming from our commissions and bonuses. Right. So mm-hmm. like they changed it once. I think it was like 600 bucks every two weeks. And I said to myself, JC, if you can't go out here and find $600 in two weeks, you deserve this bullshit. <laughs> and I, and then, you know. Been taking it for clients ever since. <laughs> I, you know, and that was that was literally it. I, 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 no, that, that was one of them. The, the first thing was I actually did the reverse math on my commissions because we got like 0.05% on every deal or whatever. Mm. And these deals like, you know, worth, you know, it was, you know, Three thousand to up to ten, maybe you know, ten thousand dollars, whatever. So you talking about a hundred dollars? Like you get, a, you sell somebody two thousand dollar package, they give you a hundred dollar check. That's crazy. Jesus, that's Man. crazy. What's your sign? Aquarius, all day. Yeah. What's your yeah. birthday? January twenty fourth. Yeah. Hey. Hmm. Uh, I would think you were something else. Nah, what, I mean, what did you? Most think people he was? always give me. They always say Aquarius yeah. like. Off, what did really? you think he was? Taurus. Nah. Yeah. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. yeah. Me, me. Aquarius and Taurus is like you know. It's just later down the line. I see you very being always been very kind of like this is where I am. That's it. Bottom line, like that's how I'm gonna be. This is what I'm gonna do. That's what kind of being your thing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I guess, you know, I looked up like you know like the system that I was um, uh, get, uh, getting success from, and within that corporation was my own. Yeah. The my assessment that you've been yeah. through, I developed that system at LA Fitness because I realized that the way we were bringing people into. So obviously, my goal was to sign you up. But that's that's a big gap on making when you come in for the first time as a new member, you do get a free a session with the trainer. But the trainer's goal is really to sign you up. You know, obviously they want to help you get in shape, but ultimately it's about revenue for yeah, that department. Absolutely. And that's what I was responsible of. And I, I kept noticing we get these people coming here that clearly need it. Like people who couldn't fit in a chair, but they're walking out going, No. And you start asking questions, you know. And you're going like, so I'm one of those type of people, like when stuff doesn't add up, I would get real humble. Mm-hmm. Like what's really going on? Mm-hmm. So I could remember particular women, well, did I do something wrong? Did I say mm-hmm. something wrong? I learned like you can't be too hard. The biggest thing that changed was it was too hard. Mm-hmm. As in like, you're right. It is too hard. Mm-hmm. So you get somebody who's 300 pounds, whatever, haven't worked out 20 years or ever. All of a sudden, you taking them through some athletic style workout. Right. Just to be honest, I'm gonna let the cat out of the bag in the industry. Most trainers are just former athletes. Mm-hmm. Now it's changing a lot now because a lot of people are getting into the actual science or whatever behind it. But at least back then, a lot of trainers were like default. Right. You didn't make right. it to the league. Right. You, you didn't get close to the league. Right. You don't have a job. You're out of high school. You play sports. So I'm gonna become you a trainer, every day. right? Or you just got out of prison. You can't get another job. Mm-hmm. And LA Fitness is the only one at the heart. <laughs> so what happens is all trainers are gonna give you an extension of their style of training, right? Unless they're experienced in all in different modalities and also have the understanding of theory of exercise. You know, if you understand that you can actually apply 
real strategy for somebody's health or wellness. But if you get a guy who played ran track in your assessment, he's going to take you to a track style workout. Yeah. And what's going to happen is he doesn't understand at that time, like he may not understand how heart rates and stuff work. So, and another thing is this whole foolishness in the industry about no pain, no gain. So if you ain't throwing up, right. you ain't, you ain't right. working out. That's the dumbest shit ever. Right. I, I tell people all the time, I don't care who I offend, who hears this. If your trainers make you throw up, fire them. Yeah. You should not be throwing up. It's embarrassing. It's a waste of your money and your mm-hmm. time. Why? Because if you are throwing up and you got a 30 or 40 or even an hour session, half your time is gone or most of your time is gone because you're trying to recover from throwing up. Right. As opposed to me checking your heart rate periodically throughout the session and making sure that you're at a level that your body can allow you to keep going. Yeah. And that's what happened. I did it for years too. And I realized, you know what? This is too hard. Mm-hmm. Taking somebody through an intense workout on their first day is too hard. Mm-hmm. So I sat down. And I came up with a list of basic baseline functional exercises and test. If you're a human being, you should be able to perform. And like what? Can you give us a couple? Yeah. So a basic plank. You should be able to hold your body up for a minute. You should be able to touch. You should. You, you should be. <laughs> I'm able not even going to tell y'all how much I fail this exam. <laughs> Both times that I took it in my life, I took it and I actually I passed with flying colors. Was, uh, <laughs> do, do I need to check the records on that? Listen, I had a beer belly, but it was, it was beautiful. <laughs> no, but I will say that. I have recommended you to countless people, and the main reason that I do recommend you is because I came to you at a time where I just felt like my body was changing in a weird way, Mm -hmm. because I always had a good body. I always felt like I had the body that people wanted, Mm -hmm. like a small waist, hips, butt, boobs, like I was good, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I never worked for it. Mm I would, when I worked at Massage Envy or if I, I would ever go get a massage, you know, Massage Envy, they try to pride themselves on being like about wellness. So they do go through questions kind of like what you were doing probably. Right. Um, like what problem areas do you have? And our therapists are really passionate about the body and muscles and all of that. And I would always get asked, like, do you run track? Do you run track? And I'm like, no. Like, not at all, actually. <laughs> you know, like I would run every once in a while when I got the the feeling to run, but I never had to work for my body. I just had it. I would always just say like, shout out to my mama. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, it came, uh, there came a time where I was like, okay, like this is changing. You know, I'm not, I'm not comfortable with myself. Yeah. And that's when I reached out to you. And I remember talking to you and telling you, I don't eat terribly, which I don't, I still don't. And I'm like, you know, I just need to commit to working out. And I told myself if I pay for it, because I like my money, mm-hmm. I will do it. I will do it. Like that's what I'm gonna do. And I remember our I mean, I remember our first meeting. I remember that whole process that you're talking about, mm-hmm. the exam. I had just um not too long before that injured my ankle. Mm-hmm. And I remember the care that you took with that throughout like forever. And it still bothers me from time to time, believe it or not. Um, but I just remember the initial process being very scary for me in a weird way. Mm-hmm. I, I was not used to it. I had no clue what to expect. I knew I trusted you because you're my Morehouse brother. Right, right. But like other than that, I was out of my element. Right. And I can honestly say after working with you for years, like was it years? It's like we did we did we did like six did months not. and then we did like another uh, almost six. See how months. he remembers everything. Yeah. Um yeah. but it felt like a long it felt like forever. But after working with you for that time, like the reason why I was so I'm so happy to recommend you anytime is for that very reason. Like you take care in understanding where people are, 
you know, what they can do. Yeah. You know what they're willing to what do. They're at willing the time. To do. <laughs> and, really, really, really. And it's not just limited to the gym. Right. Like you understand the body. Like I rem- I can tell you about conversations I've had with him that like turned on light bulbs in my head. Like li- literally, like I remember these conversations, the women's health conversations, and yeah, no, seriously. I wasn't privy to those. Uh, no, but yeah. like I don't have a vagina, so I I <laughs> not yet at least. Give me know, time. Even <laughs> even like I, I would pride myself in like if I hadn't gone to see him for a long time, I'd go back and see him, and I was basically like right around the same weight. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, oh, I see, I ain't lost nothing. I get. He was like, but no, this is not the same thing. Right, right, right. Body fat, body fat. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you, you might be the same right. weight, yeah. but how much of that is fat? Right. You losing muscle, but gaining fat. Exactly. Trading, trading. Exactly. Off, off so it's just like little things like that that I got from my experience with you that made me feel like, okay, it's safe to just send anybody your way because right. I know the care that you take. With that, you know, I mean, even me, he motivated me because I didn't want to do nothing. I, I wanted to show up. I was like, ah. Doug, 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 one of them cases, man, you get him in shape, and it's the worst thing you can do for a prison. It's Literally. the worst Turn thing. Turn to a straight hole. Dougie was looking and feeling good. I was, wearing, I was able to wear crop tops again and coochie cutters. I was back, baby. Oh, no, but what do you think is um, the biggest obstacle that? We face um, that keeps us from like paying attention to our fitness. Is it comfort? No, it's the same thing like with religion. It's the lack of tangibility of you being able to see what is going on at the current time that wow. you're making bad decisions. So if you could see yourself struggling with, like, let's say you eat something that's like highly acidic or highly it has a lot of too many carbs. And you can see on a diagram or a video how your body responds to fruits and vegetables, like how your blood, like if you could see that, I can see it in my head. But I know, I mean, I'm like way, way beyond. <laughs> Anyways, but if you could see that and it becomes tangible to you, at least from a visual standpoint, and it would just change. And like, and it would change the way you would perceive like how you should approach your health. So, right. It's, and it's just one of those things. It's like, that's one thing I keep in mind. That's why I do one-on-one training because my ultimate goal is to get you to tr- basically just, if I can get you even for a week to try like these healthy habits and then we discuss them the following week, like Monday. If I say, let's do no dairy, no bread for one week, just, we're just going to try it. I'm not saying never do it again. I'm just going to try it see how you feel. And that's how I typically get women to change their perspective on dairy mm-hmm. and cheese and stuff. Because we love cheese. They, you dairy. think you love cheese till I you see cheese. that the cheese yeah. is what's staying between you and that flat stomach. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and I want to be. I want to attest to that. I mean, you said to me, you're like, hey, just stop eating cheese. Right. Man, that stomach got flat. I know, right? I was like, I'm about to kill the game. <laughs> I'm about to kill him. I'm about to kill him. So it becomes tangible. Like, you know, you do that week. And then all of a sudden I say, you know, eat all the cheese you want. And typically people are going to automatically revert back after a week. But you gave me that clean week of no cheese and no dairy, no bread. So you're, you don't realize it, but your stomach is going down tremendously. Yeah. And then you start eating it again. All of a sudden you wake up that morning and like literally you're, you look pregnant and you go ding, ding, ding. It becomes right. tangible. It, mm-hmm. it becomes tangible. Okay, this stuff is not good for me. Yeah. Now at that point, and it, and it may take a couple of those types of experiences but I like really the the biggest thing. I mean, there are a lot of things I feel like today that makes it harder. But um, just for from person to person, it's like it's we're, things are just so fast, and it, I mean, lives are fast. Like, I mean, we're doing a podcast. Yeah, we're doing something that they do on CNN. Mm-hmm. You see, what I'm yeah. saying, you see, you see. So it's like twenty years ago, 
we will be watching somebody doing this. Right. You see what I'm right. saying? So there's so many moving parts now to where like, unless you already have health as a focus, it's going to be thrown to, to the back burner like anything else, you know? That is such a great point. I never thought about that. So how does one make health the focus? Like, cause let's say my day, my day, I go to, I got to be at work at nine o'clock, take mm-hmm. me an hour to get to work, take me an hour to get home. I'm usually leaving that job to go to another job. I get home about nine o'clock at night. I still got to probably touch up for the next I day. I know this answer. How does one? I want to hear. I want to hear. <laughs> I just, okay. So if I were JC, I, I would probably just say that it's your health. You know what I mean? Like you make time for everything else in the, in the world that you want. And I remember with him, one thing I appreciated is his schedule is like wide open from sunup to sundown. And I was one of those clients that came in at like eight, nine, 10 mm-hmm. o'clock at night. Because I work a very high-paced, you know, sales job all day. If I want to do anything outside of that, you know, it's impossible. And I'm the type of person I also have to come home depressed mm-hmm. and then come yes, to Lord. the gym. And he knows. He, I, there's no I'll way. Just come straight out. You don't even want me. You don't even want me right after work because I'm all over the place. You know what I mean? Like, I literally am one of those people. I have to kind of recharge. And so... I think that he's going to say we look at it in a way that is kind of like a pastime or like a like it's like something on. we want. Yeah. But it it has to become a part of like what our health like it's our health, it's, you know? What it is is all about value systems. Most people have not slowed down long enough to understand the value of being healthy as in like no matter how hard you're working or how well you're working you could get so much more out of that if you supported or undergirded with a healthy so lifestyle. Weird. You see what I'm saying? So like, and like she said, I'm up from sundown, sun up to sundown. There is no fucking way. I could be as good of a trainer as I am if I ate like crap and I just have uh, just sporadic workouts here and there that, you know, like it's all the system that undergirds and fuels my ability to be effective. Mm-hmm. And my clients that get on board, they experience, I have an executive, uh, I got to shout him out, Michael Cunningham lost almost 100 pounds with me in the last year or so. He Congratulations, was, Michael. Yeah. yeah that's huge. I uh, was working for Home Depot, same corporate stressed out jobs, mm-hmm. you know, high blood pressure at the time, high diabetes, all that stuff, you know, depressed about the diagnosis, made, made the decision to get started. You know, long story short, he bought into the system, and one one of the biggest things I like about Mike, what Mike is now, he does not. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. One of the biggest he things about Mike, I know, right? I'm a tapper, but um, <laughs> tap, tap, tap. <laughs> to the tap, 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 that. Yeah. Thank no. you, Lord. This, I'm so glad this podcast is explicitly rated because this is it, is it rated right here, explicit? Yes. Well, say no more. Jesus I'll bleep those out later (laughs) Doing your thing or you deserve a cosign Man, JC's story is one that is literally filled with gems and information We could not possibly fit it all into one episode That's why you guys just listen to part one of JC's story And we will definitely have part two on another episode So make sure you stay tuned 
to the Coastline Podcast. I cannot thank you guys enough for the support. A lot of you texting, calling, Dougie and myself, letting us know just how much you love every single episode as it comes out. We truly appreciate it. Thank you to the artists that have already been on. Thank you to the artists that are booked and ready to come on. Y'all, I'm really loving this. Thank y'all for tuning in. Like, share, comment, subscribe. Make sure you give us those five-star ratings if you would like to. If Dougie was here, he would say do it anyway. (laughs) But we love y'all so much. Thank you. It's the Cosign Podcast.